Welcome to part one of Health System CIO's interview with Aaron Meary, CIO at Dell Medical School and UT Health Austin. In this segment, Meary talks about the moment his team realized how serious the cold spell in Texas was going to be and what they did in response, how IT has worked side by side with operations to ensure clinical staff had the support they needed, and why he believes it's more important now than ever for CIOs to set the right tone and ensure a healthy work-life balance for their teams. If you want to um, kind of walk me through like what happened, like how, how the organization and the area really was affected and, and when you kind of knew that this was going to be a major event. Yeah, so I th- what's interesting is going into it, the weather forecast here for the area showed that we were going to have a freeze and, and possibly some snow and some ice, but it really wasn't expected to last beyond a weekend. And so from our perspective, you know, we're running vaccine clinics all the way through, even on the weekends. Um, we have some of our ambulatory clinics are open. Of course, the hospitals are open, right? Emergency department, that kind of thing. But it's part of the part of a course, you know, Texas, when we get an ice storm or, or snow event, it's a couple of days at most. And we're talking about a few yeah. inches and some ice. But I mean, appropriately, the state's not really equipped to handle ice or snow. And so we kind of know, right, you yeah. may slow down this, or you may delay some appointments. But I don't think anybody had an idea until probably the end of the weekend started going to that Monday that it was about to get really bad, right? And to the point where you're in single digit temperatures for a sustained duration, there's only so much you can do for buildings that maybe were built 50 years ago, 60, 70 years ago that were not built for this kind of temperature and this kind of climate. And so what you saw was a lot of waterman breaks, a lot of people sort of panicking because then the electricity situation became a problem. Uh, UT has its yeah. own power grid uh, and yeah. sources of energy. And so a lot of our campus was able to stay open like the dorms and whatnot. And we were able to offer shelter to a lot of people who lost power. Even here at Del Med, I really credit the leaders. You know, we opened up the buildings, the research buildings and listen, you know, if you don't have power, you're freezing, at least come sit in a conference room, you know, and just try to stay six feet apart from yeah. other families. Try to do whatever you can. So it became a, a matter of battlefield triage. The nurses and the doctors and others were determined to make sure that the patients are safe, that people were taken care of, that operations were sustained. Uh, the university did a good job of communicating, especially with the students that were stuck on campus in the, in the dorms, what to do, how to do, checking on them. In fact, at one point, we had a power failure in one of our ancillary buildings that happened to be storing some of the vaccine. And so we're like, shoot, oh. we don't want to lose the vaccine. Go give them immediately to the kids sitting in the dorm. So I think we deployed like 60 plus do- doses right there. Some doctors and nurses trekked out into the snow and ice to at least administer the vaccine so we didn't waste them, right? I know that these oh, wow, yeah. Qualify, but let's at least not waste any shot. And so UT was very agile like that in making sure that we tried to do what we could for the city because it's part of our mission, right? To help out with Austin and the state of Texas and do what we can. And so we did. The hospitals themselves had a litany of different things to navigate from water main breaks to others. Of course, hospitals have emergency power and generators, but you know, what about food, right? You've got to get food to yeah. the patients and to, of course, to your staff. You've got to have milk at a pediatric hospital, uh, water, of yeah. course, everywhere. Low water pressure uh, can actually lead to a lot of other issues. I'll give you an example. In the UT Health Austin Ambulatory Building, we were working with the city because water pressure was low. That was across the area. It had nothing to do with UT. Yeah. But we had to make sure that that didn't impact operations. So relocating patients to clinics that we know could get clean water, appropriate water, power. Our facilities team was just amazing. And uh, they did whatever they could do to quickly get there. Some buildings uh, took some time, right, to restore water, restore operations, restore whatever. 
but um, at least we have the capability. That's UT. The city itself, yeah. the residential areas, some of the parts of the city, mm. some of the areas we know are more uh, lower socioeconomic, they've really struggled. And so it was amazing. By about midweek, you saw so many volunteers coming out to deliver water, to take food to people. Uh, you had businesses that were able to open to deliver food to hospitals for the nurses and doctors. It was pretty impressive uh, seeing the city sort of come together like that for a historically disastrous event. We were able to get through it. Now, if you look across the state, it's really sad what happened, right? And, and there's some just yeah. stories of people passing in the night because of just freezing to death. And that's just horrific to think that, you know, this is, is this the new normal? Is this what we have to expect? You know, 2020 was a doozy, right. 2021, now it's turning out to be a doozy. So it's one of those things that in medicine, you find the physicians and nurses in times of stress, focusing on their patients and doing whatever they have to do. And, and even living at the hospital to make sure that the patient they're not going to go home. They're going to make sure the patient's taken care of and whatever it takes. That's just something I can't explain to people in other industries, like that level of commitment. If a factory goes down that makes socks, so someone doesn't die. But if a hospital goes down and loses power or water or food or whatever, very serious ramifications could occur. And so the clinical staff was determined, which in turn means all the support teams like IT are there. Yeah. Like, laptops, mobile deployments of wireless access points, making sure that we were monitoring all of the vaccine refrigerators so that we didn't lose anything to power and suddenly, you know, temperature monitoring. All these things that we're doing actively side by side with operations, it became sort of battlefield operations all over again. But we've sort of been in this mode now for the past year, right? So IT has become somewhat accustomed to working at a fast, unpredictable pace, and that's okay. So I would say that COVID actually helped set the right tone that, hey, your weekends, your evenings, your Sunday nights at 10 o'clock, you may be on a phone call, you may be on a group chat, you may be in a command and control situation. So the teams are able to adjust and be very adept to what they had to do. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. I mean, as horrific as it's been to deal with COVID, that it really did create this mindset where people are just so much more used to these crises and being able to uh, to adapt. And it seems like, you know, IT really pretty quickly stepped into that role of support and, and what do we do? And so that seems it, like that happened pretty quickly early on. It, it did. It did happen pretty quickly. And, and it happened as it always does with a phone call on a weekend, you know, at some weird hour by yeah. a senior leader saying, okay, this is becoming much, much more grave and much more serious. Let's go. And the one thing I'm trying to balance, I've been, I think I said this on one of our last interviews is I'm a big believer as much as possible in these uncertain times to have a work-life balance. And so every time I have to yeah. cut into evenings or weekends, I know that I am borrowing from a piggy bank of patience and of tolerance for the staff. I'm well aware yeah. of that. And they are such great sports, but we're all human and everybody needs a break. And so, you know, as we're now looking at the summertime coming up and, and hopefully as more general public gets vaccinated, you can't mandate someone go on vacation, but you can definitely tell them, turn it off. Right. Definitely tell them, yeah. go recharge your batteries, go sit somewhere for a week with a good book or two and just veg out. You need it. We all do. And I think healthcare is going to come up to that adjustment point in the near future, especially if, and I really hope very shortly, the pandemic begins to subside because of vaccination efforts. We really need to take some time and look at all of the healthcare teams and say, you guys and gals have been running a marathon for probably 14, 15 months at that point. You have to take a break because we need our doctors and nurses. We need our IT teams. We need our, our janitorial staff and our engineering staff and our finance and HR teams. We need them. 
and healthcare isn't getting any simpler. And unfortunately, COVID-19 will happen again. I mean, it happened, remember Ebola? I was there in Dallas when that happened, right? H1N1, you know, all these oh, things, yeah. this happens every other year or so. And the really, really bad ones tend to come around every like five, six to 10 years. What if that accelerates because of climate change and whatever else? We don't know. And you only have a finite number of healthcare workers. So it's one of those things that I think the ice storm here in Austin exposed and focused us on, okay, whatever remaining bandwidth you have, throw it to this to make sure that we get through this unscathed and come out the other side, which we've done. And now our attention is back on fully on vaccination and making sure that's exactly where I just was at our, at our phenomenal vaccine hub. And, you know, we're churning through thousands of patients a day and just, just doing a heroic job, but how long can that go on? Right. And so yeah. it's one of those things that, that I think is top of mind for everybody, but we're eagerly looking forward to the day where there's ubiquitous vaccine availability to start calming the water so people can breathe again and be human. Yeah. And you mentioned that physicians and nurses during these times, they're so amazing in their dedication to the patients, but it's also so important to recognize that burnout happens with others too, with the facilities, with IT. And I imagine that's something that you really have to have top of mind right now, making sure that people are okay. You do. And, and reaching out, right? I will reach out to my staff yeah. and I will send them, especially the ones I know that are burning the candle at both ends and like Grubhub, little $25 gift certificates from time to time and say, just go buy yourself a sandwich or thank you so much. You know, just little tokens yeah. that show that you recognize them. Like today at our vaccine hub, I have multiple IT staff that are there in sort of like a little war room just to help if things break or the scanner guns go down or the computers have an issue or Wi-Fi goes out, you know, things that happen. So I have a small army of people over there helping and assisting the, the nurses and doctors and others, you know, administering the vaccine. And so I was over there with our chief operating officer and, and we were walking around and I, and I asked him, I said, you know, would you be willing to say thank you to the teams? And he was more than willing to, you know, oh, thank you guys and yeah. gals. Thank you so much for your efforts. The staff was beaming mm. at the recognition, right? It, it's the little yeah. things that we can do as leaders to make sure that they are seen, that your desktop technicians, that your help desk people, your biomed people, your HIM folks, the folks that are there, that are in the trenches, sleeves rolled up, just as hardworking as the nurse administering the job in a vaccine clinic, these people oftentimes are doing a job that's a thankless job, right? But it's so important to the whole process. Just seeing them, even if it's a quick thank you email, right? Like, hey, John or Jane or Sue or Betty or whoever, great job awesome. Like you were rocking it today, man. You were checking in people like a rock star. That goes so far. That's what is incumbent upon us as leaders. So when I look at the ice storm and I look at coming through that and and all the things across all of UT Austin, it was interesting. Our UT president uh, is really, really, very active on Twitter. And he was tweeting some phenomenal stories of what was going on across campus, people setting up makeshift tents. We had one of our surgeons set up and turn our ambulatory surgery center into a warming center for folks because we weren't doing surgeries, but at least we could fit a couple of families in the OR, right? And keep it warm and keep you with power on. And you know, you have emergency generators in there. I mean, that was brilliant, right? It was almost like camping in an ambulatory surgery center. It's that ingenuity that makes yeah. us human and, and brings us together as a team. And having leaders see that, recognize that, or the facilities yeah. people that were doing things across campus. I mean, just awesome. That's what galvanizes us and makes us human. And so, you know, I have a tagline I always say, which is you've got to humanize technology. And that's exactly what I mean by that. Healthcare is told in stories, bring people together, drive items forward and recognize and see them. That's humanity. That's what this is about. That's what healthcare is about. 
Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.